Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up on Bone? And I am Beam. Lots to get to today, Beamer. We got a Champions League final on tap this weekend, so we will break that down. Uh, we've also got big, ballsy, brass-hanging statement coming from Barcelona, Real mm-hmm. Madrid, Juventus. They're trying to say they're not going to be pushed around by UEFA. Uh, they we'll totally see. will be. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, there is going to need to be a new manager at Inter, uh, and we'll discuss that situation because, yikes, they win they win their league, and then now they got to cut costs. Now everybody's got to go. And we'll also talk about... This little plucky team from Manchester that was trying to win its first trophy in many years. Trying got really to do close, their best, Bone. Just ran into a powerhouse, man. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do when you when you play vaunted Villarreal? What are you supposed to do? <laughs> you can't do anything. You know how that goes. A plucky Manchester United. What a Cinderella story for them. Yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> so we'll get into all that with the Europa League final. But uh, let's start off just by basking in the glory of one Lucas on just for a few more moments. Oof. Two goals, Beamer. Two goals to say I don't want to say save the season, but two goals that definitely for the crew they were they were save not headed the in a good spot. <laughs> I mean, it, well, it it keeps them at least they got three points on the road. They got that off their back, right? They hadn't won in a year and a half on the road. So to do that, all basically we talked about it when you don't have him in the lineup. He's the one-man magician that can kind of turn a game. It's otherwise not going in your favor, and that's what he did last weekend. I mean, it was pretty amazing. So this team's still struggling from open play uh, to score a goal. I guess, you know, we can – you feel good about the situation, obviously, because Lucas Zellerayan is on your team bone. It's obvious that he's now – I mean, if he wasn't already, he is one of the most sensational players in the entirety of MLS. He is the best, most offensive-minded player on the Columbus crew. And so what he did uh, this past weekend was just absolutely jaw-dropping. I mean, you were in a place where your season can kind of you know hit a, hit a tailspin. I think it's early on, early on in the season enough. You can dig yourself out, and that's fine. We understand that. But – you have Lucas Zellerion on your team. What does he say? No, I'm just going to go ahead and win it right here. Like, unbelievable. It's not the fact, too, like, that he scored two goals where a wall messed up or a goalkeeper, you know, a mistake. These were two world-class free kicks that he put in. And, by the way, they were to get your team the full three points. Amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. And, and two very different ways to hit it, right? I mean, he had one where he just hit it about as hard as you can, and it was like a – just still in oh, the air, wasn't spinning. Yeah, rocket shot. Nothing you can do with it. The other one is all finesse, all control, up over the you know, up over all the guys in the wall, dipped and right under the crossbar. Most goalkeepers are going to look at that and say, "No chance. We're we're not getting that." And they're right. They're they're not. If you can hit that shot from 18 yards out, pretty much not a goalkeeper in the world is going to be able to stop it with that type of pace. And that's the way you do it. You have to hit it with pace and. Yeah, he's phenomenal, man. It's uh, it's it's a talent. I mean, we've had guys who take good free kicks, right? Like Robert Varzija back in the day, years and years ago. For old, old crew fans, they'll remember that guy. 
at Ohio Stadium, you know, he was uh, he was something else. Like the Polish rifle is what they used to call him, and he was great. You had obviously Guillermo Barro Scalotto. You've had Federico Higuain. They were pretty good on free kicks too. But we've not seen anything like Lucas Elorayan in a crew uniform before. It's it's another level that he's on right now. So yeah, clearly got to be in the MVP hunt and uh, more more performances like that will certainly put him at the top of that. I think MVP always tends to be in any sport like a you know, achieve a career achievement or right. over multiple seasons where it's like, well, he's been really good and we should have probably given it to him a year ago, but now we'll give it to him. Like I think that's where this could be if he continues to be this good, you can definitely see how he'll have all the hype from last year and moments like this will definitely keep him in that hunt, but Meanwhile, the crew can, uh, you know, help him out by being a little better. Just a little just, bit. Just a skosh better. That's all we're asking. <laughs> just not being completely inept in the offensive third of the field. So, um, yeah, they got to they gotta get that going. They've got to get it hopefully short up, and they get a chance to do that this weekend against Toronto. Let's see what they can do. I'll be at that game. Ooh. I'm excited to get back. Yeah. I've already been to one. I went to the Monterey home leg for the uh, – UA for the UA for the yes, Con- that Champions League, but this will be the first MLS game I've been back to. So, yeah, taking the kids, we're gonna have fun. They uh they do have at Crew Stadium now the fully vaccinated sections. Did you see that? I did not see that. No. Yeah, there. It was an option because I and they they've announced this, but there's three or four sections, uh, top and bottom on the uh, east side of the field where they're saying if you're fully vaccinated, you have to bring a vaccine card and prove that you're vaccinated. Okay. But they will they're gonna fill those seats up. They're gonna let you sit, you know, you can you're you're right back into it. You're you're fully, you know fully immersed. Yeah. And I uh because our kids aren't vaccinated, we couldn't do that, but um because they don't have vaccines for kids their age yet. But when they do, we'll get them done. But yeah, it's a great option. I'm I'm excited to see that, and I know that they're lifting more restrictions later this, uh, you know, in the cup next. Well, next few next days, week? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I saw the uh, Reds are having like opening day 2.0. The Indians are doing the same thing, so it'd be great. I hope that for the last game at Crew Stadium, because after this one, there's one more, and that's it uh, at, at historic Crew Stadium. So I hope that they can have full capacity for that because i know a lot of crew fans will want to get there one last time yeah it's going to be such an endearing moment right i mean it's like saying goodbye uh to a you know just like a family member really it's such great moments bone and not even within the columbus crew organization we've obviously seen great moments at the stadium and in the city of columbus ohio uh, but going back and realizing what that has been, this little fortress for the men's national team as well. I mean, the, the historic games against Mexico that were played there, World Cup qualifying. You have seen some great, great performances of the beautiful game in that stadium. So you're right. It would be so fitting to have full capacity at that venue one last time before you move over to the the beautiful new crew stadium by the way i drove past it for the first time the other day because our new radio station uh our new studio is actually very very close Mm -hmm. to new crew stadium and i drove by it for the first time the other day i mean i was in awe like i've drove drove by it before on 315 and 670 and all that around the city i have never gotten up close and personal to the stadium I was stopped at the stop sign on whatever the intersecting streets are right at the southeastern corner of okay. the stadium. Yep. yep. And I just, I looked there, I stopped at the stop sign for like four minutes. Luckily, <laughs> nobody was behind me. And I, like the construction workers are probably like, what is this guy doing? 
And I'm just looking at it like, oh my God, this thing is just going to be an absolute menace when we get this full. But going back to Historic Crew Stadium, uh, you're right. I'm glad that you and the girls are getting to go out this weekend as we resume some sort of normalcy here in our lives. But if we could pack that thing to the hilt, uh, you know, come in the last game for the crew in that stadium, I, th- I think that would be amazing. I'm glad that you're getting out to it. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I'm, I'm checking off boxes, man. I went to a Clippers game. Uh, I've been to obviously a crew game, like I said. I've been to Indianapolis Motor Speedway last weekend. Ooh. I took the girls and we went out to watch. Did uh, you see the pagoda? Oh yeah, the pagoda. We were sitting right across from it. it. It went out for a qualifying day, so it's way more lax. You can just walk around. Can like you still 20- bring your cooler in? Is that a oh, thing? Oh, you can bring a cooler in, buddy. Did I didn't I, do I'm, it because okay. I, I was going to say, I'm guessing that everybody, sounds like you brought a cooler. I in. was super jealous because everybody else around me it was just wheeling them in, and I'm like, man. Oh, well, that's hey, can okay. I bum a beer off of you, sir? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have, too, because the lines were insane. But yeah, man, it's 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 just so nice to get back out and actually do the stuff. Whatever your thing is for me going to live sporting events, I, I've missed that quite a bit. I can't tell you the last live sporting I've, uh, event I've been to other than a Grandview Heights varsity softball game. Like that's right, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I did that. I uh, did that a few times this spring, but I ha- you probably have to go back bone to I don't even remember. Maybe Artemi Panarin's return to Columbus against the Blue Jackets. Oh, wow. Like, it, 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 it's been a long, long while for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to get you out there. And uh, there are some things in the works that might allow for you and I to be out at New Crew Stadium. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Keep your ears and eyes open for more on that. That's all we can say. Weekend. We're contractually obligated not to say anything. Yeah, that's exactly right. Except there are no contracts. We're just not allowed to say anything. I have been told if I say anything, I will be murdered in my sleep by Tim Bezbachenko. Yeah, that's right. Correct. Prezbez. Prezbez's going to kill me. So won't say anything more at this time. One. All right, let's switch gears. Manchester United, unfortunately, Beamer. Yeah, plucky underdogs. Didn't get it done. (laughs) Didn't get it done in the Europa League final. Uh, Shout out to Villarreal. Yep. I, I... Obviously, I've heard that I've heard of them and I've seen them up around, you know, the the upper half of the Spanish league and they've they've made tremendous strides. But I didn't realize their whole backstory, which I'm sure you're loving to hear right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard it a million yeah, just times. Give it, but give it to the people, Bones, so we can just, hear it one more time. Just how they're, you know, a town of like 50,000 people. If you live in that part of Spain, it's just like a complete shock that they're anything right now. They had a, a guy like who I guess lived in the city or was from around that area at some point who's like a huge rich guy who bought the club a few years ago and has really improved it quite a bit. Anyway, the point is it's a neat story from that perspective, and I encourage you if you are not a Manchester United fan to go read up on that if you haven't. Cause it's even really if you cool. are. Even if you are. Go, yeah, go but I'm sure right now it's not the time Manchester United fans want to go read about that. But hey, Unai Emery. Getting it done again. Wonder how Arsenal feel, fans feel about that. But yeah, there's another trophy. There's a trophy that he's been able to get for that club. So uh, pretty epic performance there. The game itself, Beamer, I don't think was the most fun game no, I've ever no, watched was, in my it life. Was hor- it was a horribly boring game. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. You could tell the legs for the both teams. I mean, around oh, the 70th yeah. minute, 
I mean, just just gone from both teams. And I get it. You're coming off this is the last game you're playing of the season. You're trying to give 100%. United looking for an equalizer for the majority uh, of the game. And then Cavani gets it 1-1, feeling pretty good. But the legs, absolutely, you are correct, was not there. And it was not the most entertaining brand of soccer. I hope that changes on Saturday when we get to the Champions League final, of course, between Manchester City and Chelsea. But, yeah, yesterday's game, not the most exciting, Ninety or I guess 120 minutes in the world. The penalty no. shootout, however... I think made up made up for the non excitement of the actual you know time in the game bone because that was yeah. it was gripping. Yeah, I'm not usually a fan of seeing it go to penalties. Obviously, I think we'd all not yeah. prefer that. But this was one of the better penalty shootouts where it just everyone was scoring and and literally everyone. You're not saying yeah, that in no, just everyone scored. Everyone scored. It was just get a stop. You win a trophy basically. And I thought I don't know if you noticed this, but it seemed like for both teams. Everyone kept going to their left. Yes, like their on, left like, goalie's right. Yeah, all like like ninety percent of those shots were going to the left. I thought, man, if someone would just, but I know that's the cat and mouse game, right? It's the second you go that way, they're going the other way. So it's yeah, it, it was it was quite a weird way to watch that. I was watching that while we were doing our radio show, and I just kept looking up, and I'm like, is this a replay? Nope, that's another goal, and it's the same place the same little pocket upper left hand lower time. left hand corner is exactly yeah. like 92 percent of the balls went there in the penalty shootout yesterday yeah so uh it's it's a it's a big deal it was an exciting well, exciting game it was an exciting ending to that game but uh i'm sorry beamer you're gonna have to wait another year to see your team get a trophy again. yeah yeah another year bone let's count another five on the calendar <laughs> maybe we're in the realm of possibility uh you know from just a Man- manchester united perspective obviously big congratulations to villarreal unbelievable performance for them to not only get to the final bone but to take on one of the giants in european soccer in manchester united now i know that united's down we have talked about that plenty here on this podcast but at the same time man a big congratulations to them did something that nobody ever thought that they would even have the realm of of dreams of accomplishing and they did that so first and foremost congratulations to them as as far as the manchester united perspective from this game I think there are a bunch of questions. Obviously, the first one that comes to mind, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is he the right man for the job? You have been at United now for, what, three and a half, four years. He has yet to win a single trophy, which at Manchester United seems like a long time. I know that Tottenham says, you know, watch this. You know, we're going 30 (laughs) years without a trophy or whatever they have. Uh, But... You know, you have different expectations at different clubs. The expectations is that you win trophies at Manchester United. They failed to do that yet again. Crashed out of the Champions League, crashed out of the Europa League with the Europa League final. Uh, And then the second question really is, what's the future for David De Gea at Manchester United? Like, is he the guy? I mean, you look, and I I know that penalty shootouts are a crapshoot. I get that. I understand that. He looked like he was chasing ghosts last night. Anytime he decided to go to his right or to his left, he did not look committed on any single no. save. No. And I think that's a massive question for them heading into this offseason. Do they have to dress, address the goalie position, or is Dean Henderson their guy, or are they going to roll out with David De Gea again? So a bunch of questions from them, no doubt a disappointing performance. Uh, so I don't really know where they go from here. Congrats, pat on the back, second in the Europa League, second in the Premier League, no hardware for you. You, but it's a good team they just failed to meet all expectations this year yeah I think that's the part that that really leaves the sting right is that you you finish second in the Premier League an otherwise what would be considered a pretty successful season obviously Manchester United wants to win the Premier League you don't want to see your crosstown rivals win it but given where they've been the last few years this is a plus and so you think well we'll cap off this nice season with a trophy against you know Villarreal this will be 
a nice little way to end the season. And then you don't get that done, even though it was, you know, game back, all those other things you mentioned. It's just, it's, I feel like, and again, you're the Manchester United fan, not me, but I feel like there's now just a sour taste in your mouth again, going into this off season. And I, and I don't know how that really changes. Right. I mean, because trying to go out and win this thing next year in the premier league, Everybody knows what Manchester City brings. It's it's again it's a, it's them and everybody else for the most part. So that's going to be a huge struggle trying to get on their level week in week out. And then as far as getting a trophy anywhere else, I mean, you know, you've got Champions League obviously competition next year, but that's going to at least you're back into that. That's the, you know, the encouraging thing for them, right? Sure. You've earned that you've earned that place. So yeah, and you earned and that good. through the Premier League season. Yeah, you did that right. on your own, you were in second place. Okay, congratulations. But it's it's still going to be something that, yeah, how much more patience can you have? I mean, you could also look at the questions, too. Didn't um, Pogba got pulled off late in that game, yeah, right? Yeah. And and I, I know that it doesn't end up mattering because everyone pretty much scored except for your goalie mm-hmm. in the in the shootout or in the, yeah, in the penalty kicks. But that's still a questionable decision, right? Where you know you've got one of the players who you would think on the field should be able to to help you in that situation and you pull him off four minutes before the game's over or before you get to that spot. It was it was a an odd decision to say the least, but I guess it worked out, right? Because everybody scored. So maybe it wasn't as odd as I think. Yeah, I just this entire situation, this entire offseason for Manchester United, I think is gonna be so fascinating. All the big names, I mean, being linked to them as they are on a year-in, year-out basis, but you have to... To me, that's the story. Can they finally land one of these big names that's always been linked to them? Not that they haven't brought in better players, you know, over the last couple years, but you got to land one of these premier talents if you want to be considered arguably the best team in Europe. Like, if you want to get back to where you used to be, you've got to win one of these Erling Holland sweepstakes, you know, or, or whoever it is. You know, yeah, Jadon Sancho, you know, one of those players. you got to, you got to get one of those sweepstakes, one, and have that guy and have it actually work. I mean, there's a lot of ifs there, but that's that's what I think needs to happen for Manchester United this offseason to show that they're not just, hey, we're, we were pretty good this year. We ran into some, you know, luck, and here we are. We were second in the Premier League. you got to show me that you can get over that hump against Manchester City, and that's one way that you can do that. Yeah, absolutely you can. And so, you know, going as far as off-season business goes, I think you really want to find a running mate for Harry Maguire. I think Luke Shaw has had an unbelievable resurgence to his career, Bone. I think he's been one of the last, the, yeah. one of the best left backs uh, in all of Europe. He's playing unbelievably. Marcus Rashford thought he disappeared a little bit last night. I, I give him credit because he tried to take over the game a little bit. And so when you're bashing your head against the wall and you're like, hey, nothing's changing here, you know, what can I do? I'm a special talent. I need to do that. And I thought, you know, he did that okay, disappeared sometimes. And that's going to happen, you know, to a young player of his stature. But Ensign Cavani, I really look at that situation. That was huge for for him to get another year-long contract at Manchester United because he's having uh, quite the finish, you know, to, mm-hmm. to his season. Yeah, really uh, scored the equalizer yesterday, which then ultimately got them into the penalty shootout in which they lost. But other than Bruno Fernandez, uh, I, I don't know the last time that they made an unbelievable signing. I mean, you can go back to the Paul Pogba situation, like. I think for the most part, you would call that like an abject failure, you know, for for what he yeah. demanded, for you letting him walk out of the club for fee, free, paying an in, a massive premium and being one of the best, you know, midfielders in the entire world, thinking you're going to get this guy, uh, you know, injury issues, sure, COVID concerns. I know he had that earlier on, and it was it really, you know, took him down a notch. 
But at the same time, man, you expect more from him. So what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with your defensive pairings as well? Can you land one of these big-time targets? These are all massive questions for them if they want to get back into the realm of possibly uh, winning a title next year. And I just I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's it's definitely an uphill climb for sure. But that's what makes the silly season fun and Hey, good news. There's just a giant European tournament in the middle of the yeah, that <laughs> entire sucks, season. It? It's not going <laughs> to, it's great for us as fans, but if you're trying to like figure out your situation and all these different teams trying to jockey for these positions, now you got to watch that too. Cause Lord knows who's going to come out of that tournament hurt or whatever else for next year. So you go all in on a player, then suddenly it's like, oh, actually he's torn his ACL in that yeah, tournament. He's, he's out, out for, for he's out for twelve months. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a tough deal. So I, I don't envy any of the decision makers who have to deal with that, the financial concerns of soccer, everything else. And oh yeah, there's a giant tournament in the middle of the summer that you gotta figure out. So we'll see how that goes. Speaking of financial concerns, uh Inter Milan, congratulations to them. They're the Italian champions. They get it done, they win Serie A. And then promptly let everybody know, hey, uh, we're going to have to go take a poo in the pool because uh, we're going to cut our salaries as much as we can, 15 to 20 percent across the board. They're saying this could be nearly 70 million dollars. They have to cut out of their budget. Antonio Conte, who is great as a manager there for them, said, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be here to coach your downside. He actually called it a downsized project. He just said he did not want to be a part of it. So uh, he's gone. Uh, where do you uh, well first off what do you think of that situation Beamer and what do you think of Inter's situation right now I was actually watching Sky Sports yesterday Bone uh, and they you know was breaking news on their show and I thought they handled it fantastically and I didn't know uh, basically the backstory of Inter Milan and like the financial troubles that troubles that they were in and some investment firm from the U.S. had to come and like save the club and like I mean it's a it's a giant mess over there oh yeah huge mess and so you look at this team you just win Serie A feeling great about yourself sure that's going to drive up our revenue right and be back in the Champions League Antonio Conte not the most manageable manager in the world I would say guy's got a little bit of an ego to him but when you're at a club like Inter Milan or like Juventus or AC Milan or Real Madrid or Barcelona or any of these premier clubs in world soccer, I think there is a standard to be set that you have X amount of dollars every single year to go out and get the best players that you can. And Antonio Conte comes to an agreement with the team, which he was making over, what, 11 million euros a year, comes to an agreement just to mutually split ways after the season, and I find to be it extremely intriguing because here you are, again, champions of Italy. You failed to make it out of the group stage in Champions League. Romelu Lukaku is just giving you a glowing endorsement saying, heck yes, I want to be at Inter Milan. This is the team that I want to play for. I've been spurned by Manchester United. I've been spurned by Chelsea. Everywhere that I go, I can't seem to fit in. He is rounding into form again and did that very well and now all of a sudden you're hit by you know ownership of your of your team saying listen here we're going to have to cut our budget we don't really know what the future is going to be in store for us and so Antonio Conte throwing up the peace sign like hey I'm out of here I don't want to be in this situation where I'm going to have to rebuild an organization and we're becoming a selling club we are Inter Milan we are one of the most storied clubs in Europe and now I, you're basically hamstringing me for a season? No way. I'm gone. I, I find it to be extremely fascinating. Yeah, I do too. And I don't I don't blame him at all for wanting to get out of that. I mean, you go win you win a league, that should be reward time for of course, everyone. Of that course. Should be, 
giant contracts, and now let's go. You've just won the league. Let's go try to win Champions League next year. You know, let's let's strike while the iron's hot. Instead, they're saying can't afford to do that. And as you know, they're not the only club having these issues, right? I mean, that's that's on the docket for us to talk about today is how Juventus and Barcelona and Real Madrid are all still, you know, trying to pull this Super League thing together because they feel like the financials in soccer will not work over the you know next couple decades at the rate that everyone's going. And while I disagree with their position on the Super League, and I think they are stupid for continuing to try to force a square peg into a round hole, the reality is there is some truth to the fact that world soccer has financial issues. It's just striking and, and shocking to see the biggest clubs in the world are the ones that are throwing the, the biggest hissy fits about it. You know, because you've got a lot of smaller clubs that are able to make do and get by. Of course, they're not in bidding wars, you know, for a lot of these players or they're not in the type of bidding wars that exist when you want to get the the best one percent of one percent player. You know, you 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 get into some stratosphere. I mean, for crying out loud, not that I'm not trying to rip the guy. Christian Pulisic cost you 60 million dollars for Chelsea. You know what I mean? Like it's bloated. That's a fee that I think, you know, 10 years ago would have got you one of the best players in the game. And he he's a great player. He's one of the best American players that we've ever had. But he clearly is still finding his way with Chelsea. And he is certainly a, a good player for them. But he is not their top player. He is not the cog that makes them go. He is a good piece in a, in a great team. And I think it's interesting that that's how much it costs to bring in a player like that. I think there is some there is some real concern there that's legitimate from Inter Milan. But or from any of these other teams. But it's just, I, I can't imagine being a fan of that team. And before you even really get to yeah. enjoy yes. the summer of celebrating, we just won a championship. What a great ride this has been. Coach is gone, and they're telling you already, don't get used to any of these players. They're all going away. That just sucks. That's that's a, that's how, I, if you want to say that's there's problems with world soccer, how are fans supposed to gravitate to that? I don't understand it. No, and I don't either. And I think that's one of the biggest problem that this game is facing is that, you know, these are they they're, they're bloated. They're bloated numbers for sure. But we've we've seen that in daily life. Right. I mean, it's it's like anything else. There yeah, is it's true. You know, there is demand and then there is supply. And so it's just, I, I guess goes back to basic economics, which I am not a professor in. So please don't listen to any economic <laughs> advice that I give out. Uh, but no, it's. It, w- it would be soul-crushing for the fans, right? You Just like you mentioned, you win this title, you feel great about yourself, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, you know, we're going to have to strip 25 30% of our budget for next year, and we're going to have to sell these players, and likely we're going to be a shell of ourselves. And not only that, uh, you're, we want you to come back to the stadium, too, where we're seeing a, a rise in ticket costs because we need to make back some of this money. Like, you're telling me that I'm paying more for a product that is going to be less valuable out in the field. Like, how does that work and so yeah again we can get into uh kind of world soccer and where they stand on the money issue which we will but it's just soul crushing to see a club like inter milan going through these financial struggles that they are literally put out put out the best team in italy this year and now all of a sudden we can't do anything about it because our our books aren't aren't allowing us to it's sad it's really sad i wouldn't blame the the inter fans at all and by inter i mean inter milan yeah not inter miami Miami, correct very clear about Mm -hmm. that because it's <laughs> Trademark. I wouldn't, blame, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't blame their fans at all if when they are welcome back into the stadium next year, uh they just are all protesting. <laughs> yeah, pissed uh, off. giant signs or, or or walkouts. I mean, I 
this is how that's that's how deep it would cut for me if I were a fan of that team. Is uh, it's just you won the league and now you're telling me you can't pay. I mean, what are we doing? Why why does to to quote the legendary doofus Taylor Twelman? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like that something is broken with soccer, and I I don't believe you, Barcelona. I don't believe you, Juventus. I don't believe you, Real Madrid. When you all cry poor, and yet you're the ones who are also in these bidding wars constantly as guilty as anyone for bringing these prices up. And now you're saying it's just, it's not going to work for us. It's working for other teams. Why is it not working for you? The answer is because you've been stupid. And instead of trying to build from within, you've just tried to, every time you've screwed up, you've tried to cover it with more money. And then you borrowed to get out of those Mm -hmm. problems. And now all those debts are coming due and rather than I, I at least you got to stop the bleeding at some point rather than continuing to go into debt further and further they're they're having at least a good enough sense to say we need to stop this but instead of doing like what most teams do in most leagues when you've made bad financial decisions you have a few years where you have to suck they're not willing to do that that's why they want to go do this super league thing it's because they want to be able to not suck make a bunch of money and always be relevant yeah but the and problem with the super league is fair. that you can suck but still make a bunch of money that's, that's what the i'm problem. saying that's yes that's what i'm saying is they're they're looking for an artificial enhancement to their Ooh, own natural <laughs> natural male enhancement <laughs> or artificial male enhancement right they're looking for an enhancement that isn't it's not like, again, when you are bad and you make bad decisions sometimes in life, you sometimes just have to deal with the consequences for a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And we're not talking about actual real horrible decisions. We're talking about the fact you paid certain players too much money and now they now you're in debt, okay? So that's that's Barcelona's problem. That's Real Madrid's problem to a degree. That's definitely Juventus's problem. And certainly now Inter Milan, even though they're not in that group that's trying to still keep this going, that was why they wanted to be part of the Super League. Right. was because they needed the money too. Every, all these teams need that money. It's just usually when you have that, like at least Inter Milan, they're just saying, well, we've spent all this money. We can't afford to keep doing this. We're going to have to cut our salary as much as I don't like that as a fan. And as much as I think that is poor planning on your part, you did get a championship. Mm-hmm. You got that. And it sucks that we're not going to get to see you do it again and again and again. If you're an interim fan, it's going to be a few years probably before you're doing that again. But at least they're they're trying to avoid going into further debt. These, you know, Barcelona is basically saying, please bail us out of our own stupidity and let us keep being winners. Like, we just want to keep being as good as we can be without facing any of the consequences for our dumb decisions. So, yeah, I, 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 as much as I don't like Inter Milan, they still are probably in a different category. What do you have against Inter Milan? The other three teams. What's wrong with them? Just the fact that they're, you know, you just won a championship and now it's going to be like, all right, well, hopefully we can stay up next year. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's not great. I'm sure they will be better than that, but. Yeah, that statement by you brought that to my attention. That Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Real Madrid statement, a joint statement. Yeah, where they all basically came out and said, "We, we, world soccer, we're going to be the dire straits if we don't, you know, change the ways." Well, of world who soccer. did that? You know, <laughs> who right. who was the one? Look in the mirror for a second, you know, friends, and decide who was the one who actually did that. Who's the one paying 130 million pounds for X player? You know, Gareth Bale comes over to Real Madrid. Sure, 150 million pounds. Doesn't matter to us. We have an endless amount of money. Then all of a sudden when the rooster comes home to Crowbone, it's like, ah, we're going to need help here. Somebody bail us out of our stupid decision that we are making. Uh, It's very dumb. That would be like me walking up to like a very thin person and then saying to them, hey, if we don't figure out this 
eating issue. Our weight's going to continue to be a problem. It's like, well, one of us clearly has a problem, maybe a little more than the other. Like, right? We, we need to acknowledge that it's not everyone's fault there. It is specifically Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus, among other teams. But they are three of the worst at this. And now they're all asking to not face their consequences. And you know what? I, I'm not... As we talked about last week, there's no good guys in soccer, but good for UEFA for holding their feet to the fire and trying to actually get them. They're, they're trying to get them banned from Champions League. They're trying to get any punishment they can. Good. This is this is the punishment when you try to take the sport away from the fans. I think you should let stupid teams suffer. What's the phrase being replaced? Stupid games win, win stupid, stupid prizes. prizes. Yeah, that's that's where you are right now with those three teams. And I'm not UEFA doesn't come out as the hero here for trying to hold them to the fire. It's just you got to let those teams go through what they're going to go through. And at least with Inter, like we just talked about, they are going to go through that. They're going to cut their budget. They're going to lose a great coach. They're going to probably lose some really good players. That's that's at least respectable. Barcelona's like, oh, our fans won't let us do that. Well, then deal with that. Deal with your fans being mad that you've spent a lot of money and didn't get the return and they don't get as many trophies as they thought they should. And now you've got to tell them, hey, sorry, Lionel Messi. He, he's probably coming back, but you could have lost him because of the way you've spent. You know, I mean, this is it's stupid. This it's was the most. What, what's the word I'm trying to look for? It was the most egregious thing uh, that I've read in a long time. Just that I could hear the ego while reading the statement in my mind, Bone. Listen to this. FC Barcelona, Juventus FC, and Real Madrid CF wish to express their absolute rejection of the insistent coercion that UEFA has been maintaining towards three of the most relevant uh, institutions uh. in the history of of football. <laughs> this alarming attitude constitutes a flagrant breach of the decision of courts of justice, which have already made a clear statement warning UEFA to refrain from taking any action that could penalize the founding clubs of the Super League while legal proceedings are ongoing. How dare you come at us with the three most relevant institutions in the history of football? By the way, there are nine other clubs who said, bump this, we're out. Like, see yeah, you later. Right. What are yeah. you holding on to at this point? They're holding on to the fact that they they want to be, they want to pretend like because if you go on and read their statement, it, it is continuing to say uh, like the end of it. They say either we reform yeah. football uh-huh. or we will have to watch its inevitable downfall. <laughs> well, They're trying we'll, to make we'll it sound it, like you'll we'll watch your inevitable downfall. Right. And meanwhile, Sheffield United is going to become, you know, uh, the ruler of the roost, I guess, in the Premier League. Like, that's you're, how you're, I read that. You're statement. exactly right that it smacks of so much arrogance because their thought is if Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus suddenly aren't as good as we used to be, world soccer will suffer. And the reality is it won't because we'll all get really excited about watching the Leicester cities of, of the course. world. We'll all get really excited about these other teams that maybe we Sunderland just saw has out. a fighting chance, Bone. Right. Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> so, uh, another year for them. Another year down in the third division. Mm. Good times. Anyway, like Villarreal, that's a great story. That's that is the opposite of what these clubs want. They are saying we need our clubs to be successful because we are the most successful. If we if we lose that, you will lose soccer. And the reality is, no, nah, man, if a Villarreal comes along, they want to spend like crazy and they end up getting up to the top and making some noise, doing some good things. Great. That'll be exciting to watch. If they can't sustain that, sure, they'll fall back down and some other team will rise up because last I checked, there are still a ton of people who want to watch this sport. 
There's Last still I checked, people. we're not going to stop producing world-class players. They might just not right. be playing for Real Madrid, Barcelona, or Juventus. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, you look at the NHL, right? The NHL went through a period of time where guys were getting ridiculous contracts. And then remember that period right before, I think that was right after the work stoppage where they had to they had to figure out all these contracts they owed guys. Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, almost went out of business. Oh yeah, right. Of course, like and, it's and the same situation. Same situation, right? Uh, but but they remember when they had the contracts where it's like well, we're going to pay this guy eighty million dollars over seventeen years, yeah. you know, or some ridiculous thing like that because Billy they had made, style. <laughs> yeah, they had made so many bad deals. The only way to get under the new structure was to like have everybody make two or three million a year over a ridiculous amount of time because they had to have a new salary cap. They had to save the sport, and so yeah, eventually the way to do this is not to just let 10 or 12 or 15 teams go break off and spend just ridiculous money. The goal would then be to lower the amount it costs to have the great players. They don't want that. Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they don't want that because then that that's their, that's how they've won is they've been able to outspend everyone. And now they're all looking at their books and going, Oh, we're in debt. We can't do this anymore. Now you got to live like a normal club. Like I, Who's going to feel bad for the rich guy who gets out of his limousine and gets into a Toyota Camry? Not no me. One. No one. Everyone's going to say, good, live like a regular person for a little bit. Let me know how that goes for you. That's what you got now with Barcelona, Juventus, and Real Madrid. So I have no pity for them. And as much as I hate UEFA, I hope they drop the hammer, ban them for two <laughs> years. I don't care. It would be hilarious. It would be 100% hilarious if they do that. Uh, we'll take a break. We will talk about the big competition that UEFA puts on every year. Champions League next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So we've reached it. The Champions League final is here. It's kind of the uh, usually the last big, you know, European soccer date on the calendar until you know the summer is over. But got uh, we got European competition going all through the summer, so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. In the meanwhile, though, obviously that's not the pro teams; that's the national teams. This is it. This is an all England final. Uh, are you surprised that it's uh, City and Chelsea, or not so much, given how both of those teams? Obviously, City's played great this year, but Chelsea, I, I still am a little surprised they've ended up here. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use the term shocked by any means uh, for Chelsea, but it is surprising. And you look at the way that they finished the season in the Premier League, and we didn't even get into that. I mean, <laughs> the the final weekend in the Premier League, how That's they were right. just, I mean, holding on bated breath, you know, the final 15 minutes to see how Leicester and Tottenham uh, were to play out. But here they are. They're in the Champions League final. Scrap it. You got 90 minutes to greatness. Very surprised that they're in. Uh, you had a lot of good teams this year, Bone. Bayern Munich, of course. PSG was a fascinating story to watch, of course, with Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. But here you are. You are Chelsea. You are the Blues against the Blues All-England final. And I have said it on this show as we have been going through Champions League uh, I said there were two teams that were inevitable, it seemed, like Bayern Munich and PSG seemed to be, be those teams. Manchester City was right behind them, and here you are, first opportunity in Manchester City history to pull down a European Cup, which would be an absolute unbelievable story for them. Yeah, yeah, it really would be. And I was looking back, you know, just trying to think about how this match is going to go, because obviously a few weeks ago... yeah. 
they played in the Premier League, and Chelsea was able to top Manchester City, kind of stop them from having their championship celebration just yet for the Premier League. But I, I tend to think as, as much as certainly you want to do that, and it shows that Chelsea has the ability to beat Manchester City, the reality is I, if there was <laughs> any little teeny lapse in focus that might be possible – I don't think that happens, right? I mean, Manchester City at oh, this point. Oh, they're going to be keyed up. They're, both teams are, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't get a chance to win Europe very often, anybody. I mean, any of the, all these, that's the thing. Sometimes I think we, at least I am guilty of thinking of teams as like a group of, of thought as opposed to each individual player. Like Chelsea, given where they've been the last couple seasons, I don't think it would be unreasonable for the club of Chelsea to be very happy with getting to a final, yeah. and that's that, right? But for these individual players, each of them wants it as bad as the players on Manchester City. Each one of them is going to have to dig down in those moments where it looks like, you know, maybe you give up a goal, whatever else. Like, that's that's the true mark of this competition, of any of any big final like this, is who's going to extend, who's going to make the play when no one else can, who's going to do the thing that no one else is able to do. And all these players want it so bad. I just think that Manchester City, look across, you see Chelsea, you know what they did a few weeks ago. There's not going to be any like, well, we've we've dominated everyone in the Premier League. We're playing a Premier League team. Let's just go out there, play our game, we win. Yeah. They're going to be so locked in on this. I guess maybe the only risk you run is being too keyed up and too locked in and Chelsea plays a little more free. That could be a risk. But other than that, I, I still think this is Manchester City's to lose. I do too, 100%. I think that... Exactly what you said. I think if you are Pep Guardiola, we know that, that he is a master string puller, of course. I think what he does in this game, Bone, is exactly what you just said. Listen, we have rolled everyone in the Premier League. We are the kings of that division, and we are facing a Premier League rival with this, a big six team. I think the best thing for Thomas Tuchel to do is do exactly what you said, and just say, hey, go out and play free. Nobody expects us to win this game. Why in the world would anybody pick us over Manchester City? They have been the favorites in every single competition this year, and they have lived up to the expectations. We are the surprise team here. Yeah, you want to talk about plucky underdogs. Yeah, sure, Chelsea, plucky underdog, right? But it re that's really how you feel when you go into this game on Saturday afternoon. I'm looking forward to it, but I think there are two inherent different ways of thoughts by both managers. Pep Guardiola, hey, go out there, do your job, 90 minutes, we win this game three to one, right? Like that's what everybody is expecting. We're going to score goals. We have a more talented roster. We are in the best form that we've been. And then if you're Chelsea, hey, go out there and play free. Anything can happen. That's why we play the game. I think it's going to be a great, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be fantastic, especially if Chelsea get out and pull an early goal bone and you force Manchester City kind of out of there, sit in the attacking third and just pass the ball around and kill you that way. If you yeah. force Manchester City into a game that they're uncomfortable with, how do they respond? How do they come out of it? Yeah, and I and I know that I'm saying this to a Manchester United fan. I know it's not something that you necessarily like to probably dwell on, but for me, the player that I will love to watch and I always love to watch whenever they are playing, whenever I see Manchester City, watching Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, he's special. I mean, just the fact that – and he's so good in this system where he can drop a little bit deeper. He just – like you said, how Pep pulls the strings, but then on the field you've got Kevin He pulls just, the strings, yes. Yeah, directing traffic. That is that is just so much fun to watch, man. And and that that is one of the, the, the joys of watching soccer at that level is getting to see a player like that in a big moment like this 
probably going to be involved, right? I would be shocked if he has a poor game. I would be shocked if he's not involved in a big moment either way. But certainly I tend to think he's going to have a big moment that leads to a goal for City if it's not off his foot directly. So that that is not exactly world-breaking analysis here that Kevin De Bruyne, good. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like I enjoy watching his play in, in moments like this because that's where you get to see the pressure put on the best players. And I'm always, uh, you know, same thing in a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, right? Or, or whoever, name your, name your sport, name your guy. Like just seeing these players who have been so good for so long get into that moment and deliver. Yeah. It's so hard to do. And just to see that happen on, on this level is a lot of fun. So, I mean, not that, you know, again, I'm not really rooting for Manchester City. And as much as I, you know, had been on this Chelsea train at this point, been so up and down with Pulisic and everything else. I'm what just, if he I'm, scores the game-winning goal against Manchester City well, in we the Champions League final? we haven't even talked about that. I am a little, I'll say this, I am a little torn on that. Because, yes, I would love to see that. From, from an American soccer perspective, I think that would be great. The other side of that is this. There are a lot of people who might see something like that who are not large, you know, big soccer fans. They just kind of literally watch. large like me, and <laughs> you. like me, me. Yes, we're both very large soccer fans. But people who don't watch it a ton who would see that and go, oh, so we got the guy who scored the game winner in the Champions League. Well, so we're going to win the World Cup. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that's not how that works. Like, it, it you know. Could that be an unreasonable level of expectation shift for the U.S. men's national team? Yes, absolutely. Right. Like, I, I'm not saying that I I'm, I would be thrilled if an American, you know, player scores a game-winning goal in a Champions League final. That's a thing that hasn't happened. So let's get that checked off the list, right? But at some point, it will be nice to not have any more of these firsts. That's, I guess, where I'm at right now is I'd like all the firsts to get checked off so every time like a normal thing happens imagine england getting worked up right or or you know belgium or any of these other countries getting worked up where it's like we had a player who scored in the final of the champions league it's, it's like, like yeah yeah duh. <laughs> right because you have a billion of them in this league and, and many of them play at the best teams so as much as i love the fact that this is a possibility it is still a little bit bittersweet i guess in that way is I'd like to get over those humps so we can just move on to, hey, there's like seven guys. It, like we had this year, right? It wasn't a big deal to have a, an American player starting in a Champions League knockout game. You had like 10 of them, mm -hmm. right? That's great. It'll be awesome when you have three or four of them playing in a final, not just one. You know what I mean? That's that's the next step. And and I guess you could argue, I mean, you do have an American on the other side, right? Zach Steffen. Well, yeah, you you're going to get your first Champions League medal in U.S. soccer history coming up right yeah, right one of them that's true uh, an american player is guaranteed to have a champions league medal by the end of this thing and same thing goes for uh you know hey premier league right yeah zach, zach Steffen, first player to accomplish that yeah i mean he didn't play he played in one game i think in actual premier league competition um but there was enough that they said he gets a ring and he he got a medal and all that so yeah very cool to see but i i am i am happy in that way i would like to see continued progression right we need to see more from American players and I think we'll get there I mean the, the young crop they've got now is really good there was a setback the last four years but we're moving on from that hopefully it'll be good um, so final prediction here for this Champions League where do you come down do you think this one gets to extra time and penalties and all that or do you think it's settled in the regular 90 minutes I think it's settled in 90 minutes I think Chelsea come out they pull a goal and then the first 20 minutes of the match I think City really settles in and then I think at the death 
Chelsea wins two to one. I'm going. Uh, I'm going with the London side in this one. Ooh. I think for some reason it harkens me back to their Champions League final against Bayern from a few years ago. Nobody expected them to win that game. They came out. They were staunch. Obviously penalties, and we know the story on that one. But yeah, I'm going with Chelsea. I think Chelsea win this one two to one. Ninety minutes. I like that. Um, I am actually going to go the other way though, and I think I think you're right that Chelsea come out and get a goal early. But then I think that awakens Manchester City, mm-hmm. and I think <laughs> Which then they could go very well. Happen. <laughs> I think then they get a goal back before halftime, and then the second half, City finds a goal sometime. They let's say around the hour mark, and then that's that. And they kind of, and then Chelsea bombs everything forward. Yeah, they get maybe caught out on a counter. Maybe it ends up like three one. But like I think City is the better team, and I think they'll prove that. But. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to watching The it. nice part about this final is I'm really excited to watch. I don't think there's going to be a feeling out process. You know, two teams no. that have never seen each no. other before, haven't seen each other in like five, six years, where you get that first slog of like 20 to 25 minutes where you're kind of jostling for position and feeling each other out. These two teams, very familiar with each other. They have played each other umpteen times this season. That's what I'm excited about. Literally from the first minute to the 90th, there's no feeling out process. It's going to be start to finish i think a great great game yeah it's like at the end of uh is that rocky three i think at the end where rocky and apollo creed are finally having the like rubber match to settle it and they're just in the training you know yeah, facility right. just by themselves <laughs> at the end of the they movie, put the yeah. mouth guards in and you know he's Here like we you go. Ring, ding, ding. ring the bell ding ding and then that's it then they just go and it's right off the bat that's exactly what i think you're right on that all right well we're looking forward to watching it We will break it all down next week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Bone and Beam United.